In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Orange is lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Death and Mars face evil's Hi everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 485. What are we talking about, Dan? Uh, we are talking about the most embiggenedest Marvel <laughs> character to make their small screen debut. Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, and her her six episode Disney Plus TV show. It's Bengalicious. That is like the perfect it's 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 literally the season by itself is literally a trade paperback is six <laughs> is six installments that you can binge through at, in an afternoon. This is true. There were no really long episodes of the show. I think um, the last one was like a solid hour, but like that's that's like the standard practice for a lot of these. Like the length will vary, but the last one is going to be long just to get, I don't know, get the most stuff in. Yeah, it was close. I don't. Yeah, it was. It was. It definitely was the longest. That is. That is fair. You're correct. That is fairly standard in the way Disney Plus, at least. I mean, not just exclusively Disney Plus, but Disney Plus has certainly been doing that with the uh, the last episode of whatever show they're doing tends to be the longest, even if it's not substantially longer, like the like the Obi One episode when people were talking about, oh, this episode is going to be like an hour and thirty three minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I saw a rumor about that, too. And I'm like, how how much of that is like because I knew I know Obi-Wan was supposed to be a movie at some point first and then got turned into a show. Like how much of that is people just assuming more of that script is going to survive into the final product of the TV show or something? I think it was more just, again, rumors. It's just that people hear stuff from other people and and they just pass it on as not necessarily saying, hey, we know for a fact this is what it's going to be. Just the fact that, hey, we're hearing this because somebody else said it and somebody else says it and turned out to be completely not true. <laughs> it I'm works. surprised. I'm surprised that the MCU and Star Wars speculation hasn't started to bleed together now that they're under the same umbrella. Like, like, where are all the fans like pissed off that the X-Men didn't make their big debut in Obi-Wan Kenobi? <laughs> <laughs> God, give it time. Let's see how phase four continues. Maybe by the end, people people won't even either won't be surprised about anything or won't care about anything. Who knows? <laughs> so I see with this show, it's kind of interesting whether we should. It's it's so tempting just to start with the end since since that is, is the most me- memorable reveal we've gotten, I think, in any of the MCU shows so far. Well, well I was thinking about this and I, I was well, not that specifically, but I was thinking about like this is. Is this the newest character? Like the new like in terms of like how long this character has been around in Marvel Comics, like the newest character to be adapted into a leading role 
Like the only other one I could think is maybe like like they did bring in like Kate Bishop as kind of a co-star of Hawkeye, and they had America Chavez obviously in um Strange. in Doctor Strange, but I I know America was later like i think was she was, in was she late yeah she was yeah she was later she but but, yeah, but she's not in the lead but she's not in the lead role so yeah and like like i know there's like a whole wave of characters that were introduced in response to the success of kamala khan but like because like I'm, i was thinking about like the fact like oh the last one of these they did was moon knight and the next one they're doing is she hulk and like everything else is like from a character from decades ago so it's kind of interesting to see like such a new character get this far this quickly. Since 2013, from what I'm seeing, was was Kamala Khan's premiere, and let's see when Kate Bishop's premiere was. She was 2005, so she definitely was first. Oh, and really? Okay. And okay. And and we both are agreement that America Chavez was even more recent. Yes. Oh, um, that's the, right, because Kate Bishop first showed up with uh, the Young Avengers, I think. Let's see what that it says for America Chavez. Do, 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 do. Actually, Amer- this is interesting, because according to this, it says America Chavez was, was 2011, which means she would have actually predated Kamala Khan. All right. Well, now that we firmly established that I don't know what I'm talking about, we should keep going. <laughs> well, hey, the, the, your basic point that these are relatively new characters. The only reason I the Chavez thing stuck in my mind, too, because I was watching the making of Doctor Strange thing on Disney Plus the other night. So they were talking about how how young a character America Chavez was. Uh, and obviously not just the age of the character. They mean in the Marvel universe. Uh, yeah. But so, so where were you going with, with that as you, as the lead? Not necessarily uh, related to the big reveal at the end. Yeah, no, just, just think about like, I just think it's impressive because like when you think of the characters that you want to pull into the MCU, you generally have to reach farther back to find the really good choices. And this, like this character continues to be like one of the best examples of like, of like a new creation that can go the distance. Like she showed up in the comics, took the comics by storm. And now like, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to claim that like, Oh, this show is going to make her like, like this household name that everybody loves. But the fact that they even made this show at all is like, especially without another bigger name to anchor it. Like in the case with Hawkeye and Kate Bishop, like that kind of thing. Have you read any of uh, the Miss Marvel books or anything? I have not. It's it's funny. Like this show in a way, this show kind of did its job because like I've had some trades for years that I just never got around to, but it was one of those where it's like, Hey, everybody seems to love this. I should read it too. Maybe I'll love it. And I just didn't. And once we got like a few weeks away from the premiere date, I realized that like, Hey, you know, even if it's great, I kind of don't want the MCU version to be my introduction to this character. So let me actually start to read some of these. And it's really cool. Like her stories have that, that like kind of classic old school Marvel feel to them of here's just an ordinary kid who falls into having superpowers. And now they're trying to figure out how to make good while still just having a life. It's like, it's kind of a good spiritual successor to Spider-Man, especially with like the level of 
threat she tends to deal with. It's it's kind of the most friendly neighborhood superhero I've ever seen in a Marvel comic book. That's interesting. That's cool. Does that mean okay? So you have so now you went so you ended up did ha- you had a slight background on her even if it was a uh, a cramming session. <laughs> it was like I read I read like I forget how many issues this is, but I read right from her first introduction up to um, when the big Secret Wars thing, where it was like and it is where she met Carol Danvers for the first time and the world was ending and all that. It was like a year or two of her comic. I forget at this point, but it basically I I came into this show already having firmly established that I love this character and God help me. I don't know what's going to happen now. (laughs) So comparing that to, so having that background, what do you think of the, uh, what did you think of the show then? And that version of the character. So I am of two minds about it because I think that, uh, the actress's name, who I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't. Amon Vellani. Yes, I unfortunately I do not remember the names of anybody who played anybody on this show, and that's not because they did a bad job. That's because it takes me forever to learn names of people. <laughs> but I think she did a fantastic job. I am legitimately happy that we're going to see more of her in the MCU. I think they basically nailed the costume it's one of the like the the best like page to screen uh superhero suits we've had since the first iron man movie i think that the show lost its way though like i i i love all everything that is about kamala in her hometown and once they deviated from that that's when they kind of i I don't want to say they ignored what was good about the character because they did still explore a lot of those things. They just did it in a way that is not true to the kinds of stories the character is at home in. And we can get into more of what that means. Like what, what do you like? You came in at this having never read about Kamala before. So like, what was it like coming in completely fresh? It's interesting because it because I think in a way we have we may not view everything exactly the same here, but it, but based on listening to you describe it, I think we have similar views of the show. It sounds like I think, yeah, I didn't my expect I didn't have a lot of expectations one way or another. I thought that I thought the trailer was fine. I saw I was interested in how, what they were what they were going to do with the show. I think. Yeah, uh, Amon Vellani is awesome. Uh, Kamala Khan is is a really in- nice character. It's a relatable character. Like you said, it's a very Peter Parker-esque character. Very relatable on the struggles that she's going through in in data, you know, in day-to-day stuff. Is uh it certainly is very reminiscent of Peter Parker. I think the stuff I agree with you, the stuff when she's in New Jersey and dealing with her family and her friends and and the life that she's dealing with and I I enjoyed all of that. I do think as interesting as all the stuff back, you know, during the whole Pakistan, India partition stuff, as much as that was very interesting, I do think that kind of, that really did derail, I think her story because you had like one episode, that one episode when they were chronicling all the stuff leading up to the separation 
on the train where like she was like not she wasn't like even in the show for like the first like 15 minutes or something yeah that episode it's like that that's not really great storytelling from a show that only has six episodes period and, and the you- thing is i think that episode by itself is really good it just like like this this show more than any of the other marvel shows i think feels like well almost all of the mar- other Marvel shows. Falcon and Winter Soldier is worse. But um, this show is so extremely two different seasons of the same show mushed together. And like if they wanted to do the, you know, we're, we're pushing the, the partition thing. We're going back to Pakistan to, to explore it and the, her heritage, doing the flashback time travel thing like that. I think that would work really well and be a really cool character arc as its own thing. But like it just kind of got wedged into the middle of a season that was about something else. Kind of. I agree with that. I also think that as interesting as all that was, again, it's some of that might've been better suited in a way for like a like a season two, if there was going to be a season two that, and you combine that with, you combine that with the villain threat, you know, the clandestine or clandestines, whatever, that was not much of a, they were pretty lame villains and they were all gone pretty much as a, as a collective threat, they were gone by the end of the, the second to last episode. So oh that kind of left, so that kind of left you right automatically, like what's going to happen in episode six, because of the fact that other than the cameo, we knew we were getting at some point that it's a, sh- it's a show that I think the character itself is better. It's probably better than the story that's being told with her. That's probably the way I would look at it. I, I don't think I think they could have had a better story. It began the first few episodes were good. It wasn't very action packed, and I, but I can overcome some uh, an overlook, I should say, some of that when we were getting a lot more stuff related to her. I mean, I her family is cool. I like that. I like I like the fact that they kind of went away from. In the beginning, it looked like they were following a trope that I've seen before. And it's not just related to like Indian Pakistani stories. I think it's relatable in general, this trope about how you have like one parent. It seemingly it's usually the mother that's really old school and hard ass on the child, usually the daughter. And the daughter is usually more more closely bonded with the father who's more understanding and trying and more tr- understanding what the do- you know, what the daughter is going through, especially in a in a new cultural situation that she grew up in a different culture than necessarily than the parents did. It reminds me of it actually in the beginning, I thought it was, they were going to go down that road because it reminded me of never have I ever show on Netflix, which is the Mindy Kaling autobiographical show that she, that she created for Netflix, which I really like, but that's that dynamic is in that show with a mother is really old school and a hard ass and, and her father was really the one who was bent over backwards and understood her and things like so I thought they were, I thought that show was going to be in danger of going down that road based on what how they were setting it up in the beginning so I'm kind of glad from a family perspective that it was more of a like a kumbaya thing which of course we know is not really all families anyway that I mean having one parent get along better with one kid or vice versa is very realistic honestly but it's nice not taking that trope and kind of throwing it out but I do think yeah. it kind of went off the I do think it kind of went off the as an overall story as in with her was great. The supporting cast is great. The cast overall was really good. I do think the threat, the, the villains were kind of very so-so. And from like episode, 
episodes like four five and six seemed a lot more uneven based on where they were trying to go with the story yeah and like you mentioned the transition from episode five to episode six this like as much as i liked a lot about this show it it was the most anticlimactic ending because they introduced damage control which you know in the comics damage control is literally a group of construction workers that pick up after superhero fights like destroy public property in in the in the mcu i guess they're like a cia equivalent (laughs) but like they're introduced as a kind of threat early on but then we ignore that for like three or four episodes and deal with the other threat and then the other threat is finished in episode five and i'm sitting there thinking what the hell are they going to do in episode six they did they just resolved the the big thing like what they literally saved the world and then had to go do something smaller for the the season finale yeah i think they set themselves up for failure or, or at least a lot more criticism than they probably that is certainly more criticism than you, than you would want let's put it that way by having a story structure that was you know it's, it's only when you have something that's only six episodes and then on some levels you get six episodes and you go, well, you know what? They probably could have done that in four. <laughs> it's like, name that tune. It's like, name those episodes. Uh, we can tell that story in four episodes. I don't know. It just, it's, it, there's something about it. I mean, it just, but because Amon Vellani is so good, you can overcome a lot of it, but yeah, I, but you want, but you also, you understand on some level why the show didn't really grab pull in maybe the viewership that they would have liked even though they probably i think they i think they kind of knew the show wasn't going to do good ratings that's my theory on this based on the simple logic that it never made any sense for them to run the show concurrently with obi-wan let alone dropping it at the same time on the same day as yeah, obi-wan that is bizarre but it's it is bizarre and it, well let's be honest from a business generally from a business decision perspective it's moronic it makes no sense because you still could have released it the same week you could, if you had to run them concurrently, release one on a Wednesday, release one on a Friday, because you what are you? Because right now you're not competing against anything. I mean, I, the only thing was Stranger Things, and again, on something on Netflix, it's a one day drop. You only have to worry about it for one week because it's only they drop everything at once. But it's not stupid if you look at it from a perspective. If they really thought that this this show, based on their own, own tracking, that this show was not going to was not likely to work as far as drawing in the ratings that a lot of the other shows did then it might make sense for them to put it up against Obi-Wan because then you got a built-in excuse where you can say, well, it never really got a chance to, to stretch its wings and to hit or hit whichever analogy you want or hit the ground running because of the fact that we, we made a mistake and we put it against Obi-Wan and we shouldn't have done that. We needed to let this thing breathe on its own. So it's almost like it could be where they built in an excuse for the why this thing didn't really work, even though they knew that it probably wasn't going to do that much better if they just had no built an excuse but I mean, it doesn't I make guess, any sense but, but it doesn't make any sense from a business perspective because you literally were competing against yourself and you damn well knew that more people were interested in obi-wan for logic for logical reasons so why would you yeah i don't know but it seems it was a very odd business decision yeah plus like the fact that you put it up against 
stiffer competition, you're making sure that it gets even lower numbers than it would have if it was airing by itself. Like, I can understand, like, oh, we can't push it back because we we don't want it to overlap with She-Hulk or whatever, and it's too late to air it earlier or something. But yeah, different day of the week. Like, that's... that like. Mm-hmm. Like even if they don't have faith in it, they at this point they should have enough faith in the brand. Like people will try out a new Marvel thing because it's a new Marvel thing. And like at the very least, you're gonna see big numbers on like the first ep- the first one or two episodes. And I agree. I just think that when you look at I find I mean, sometimes we're always surprised at incompetence, but it to me it doesn't make any sense. I don't. I, I find it difficult to believe somebody at Disney Plus was or and or Marvel were dumb enough to say, well, you know, running these shows, dropping them on the same day at the same time, is a good plan. So the only that's the only thing in my mind that makes sense that the fact that they just wanted a built-in cover that they yes by by opening it against having the beginning of the show run against the end of Obi Wan guarantee that you were not going to get a big audience watching the beginning of these F- Ms. Marvel to get into it early. And yes, it was going to probably lower, give you lower ratings than you would have gotten otherwise, but you're still giving yourself cover because you could always spin it and say, well, yeah, you know, if not for Obi, we think if this show had just opened on its own, this is our fault. But if we had just done it, we really think this world ratings would have been much stronger and you can't, and there's no way to just, I mean, there's no way to disprove something that didn't happen. So they can say anything, they can spin it any way they want, but it, but it's hard to believe that if they really thought this thing was going to do even like what Moon Knight did, that they would have set it up to fail that way. It's just, it, it was a very, very odd choice. I mean, again, they didn't have to even premiere it later. They just didn't have to open it on the same day as Obi-Wan every week. I wonder how much, I wonder how much the premiere dates actually matter in the long run though, because like, it's not like this is like a theatrical release where it's only there for a short time. And then the direct competition matters as much like, these like both Miss Marvel and Obi-Wan Kenobi are going to be sitting there on Disney plus ideally forever. So like the long tail on both of them is going to ultimately have nothing to do with each other, but I don't know. No. Yeah. I I mean, I know what you, it will be interesting if Disney does research like Netflix did about how, like the percentage of how many, how many total viewers on their shows like are like within the first like month, two months compared to like Netflix to see if it it probably it almost can't be as bad a ratio where almost everybody watches it within the first 45 days like on Netflix because that's the benefit of releasing things weekly (laughs) as opposed to dropping it all at once it makes sense with Netflix and a horrible business model that if you drop all your episodes at one time then yeah almost everybody who's gonna who's interested in watching it is gonna watch it within the first month because by then There'll be something else coming on, and if you haven't watched it, you'll probably you probably even forgot that you wanted to watch it. <laughs> Plus, this could always be like a test for future programming. Like, like I mean, like the fact that Disney Plus has a watch history means like they know what each individual account sees and when they see it. Like they they know that I watched like the the season finale of Obi Wan Kenobi, and then the next day watched the first episode of Miss Marvel. Like, like if it has that kind of, if that kind of overlap has people still watching like both competing shows, quote unquote competing, then maybe it actually doesn't matter if they release them at the same time, as long as people end up watching both of them. 
That is true. If you look at it from if consistently one. Yeah. If it was consistent where, let's say, like a about, let's say, 90 percent of people that watched Obi-Wan Kenobi then turned around and watched Ms. Marvel within the next day or two days. And, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, obviously, just generally speaking, they did. And it's not all we all know. It's not all the same audience anyway. Not everybody who's who watches Obi-Wan was going to watch Ms. Marvel that there's certainly a sizable percentage of overlap. But there is, but it isn't like I'm not going to say it's like you know 90% of the Obi Wan audience is absolutely the watching Ms. Marvel. I mean, it's probably nowhere near that high. Yeah. But yes, if you knew, let's say, if you knew like 90% of people that watched Obi Wan turned around and watched Ms. Marvel within the first two days, and you're right, then it probably wouldn't matter about you dropping them at the same time because you your immediate numbers aren't you're not you're not getting that, but you know they're they're turning around and they're watching it as soon as they can after that. So yeah, you're right. It's just the fact. So I, Obi-Wan, because again, that's my, it's like we, we talked about, I don't think Obi-Wan, I think they, they're, they could use Obi-Wan as an excuse for why the show didn't do better, but it's probably, but it's, I don't know if the, how much it would have mattered because I think the issue is for whatever reason, the show didn't grab people What people from the beginning, from the get, from the, the hype heading into the show, there wasn't enough. There were people were really that interested in it to and and for some people, the show started off slow enough where it didn't grab them. I mean, I thought, you know, from a character, you know, from a character development perspective that I thought it worked well enough where even though, yeah, you didn't get you didn't get a whole lot of action right away. But it's it, it still it made me interested. Like, I thought the first episode was really good. What's so. interesting is that this show's biggest piece of marketing material hasn't happened yet because this character is going to be showing up on the big screen whenever that second captain marvel movie hits and i would be incredibly surprised if that did not trigger an influx of people going to watch this show or rewatch this show around the release of that movie oh yeah i i would agree just like you'll get more some people going back to wandavision to watch monica and whatever her role is in secret invasion. Yeah. But, but it's interesting though, because it's, it's interesting because you would think the original plan was you, that Ms. Marvel and Monica would help sell the Captain Marvel sequel. So if Ms. Marvel, which did not, n- did not do particularly well from a ratings perspective, not a, critics. Absolutely. It's like the highest rated Marvel project ever, but the, from the overall ratings perspective, TV ratings, no, it didn't. It's, it hasn't certainly done well as only I think pretty much all the Marvel shows. So it makes you wonder how much how much of a boost that Ms. Marvel is going to help, you know, for the Captain Marvel sequel when they obviously must have they had to be counting on that because that's the reason Captain Marvel's name isn't even in her own damn sequel. They were counting on the other supplemental characters, the other two, Monica and Kamala, that. that to increase interest in this project to make it something where people would latch on to as opposed to just a regular Captain Marvel 2. When's that movie coming out? Because there's July, still time I believe. To I, th- I think that's the July release oh, like next year. year. There's still time to change that title. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to, though. I think they should, but if they don't, I think it's telling. I've said this all along. It's like literally this will be the first MCU movie ever in which the main character of the movie is not in its own title. I mean, they could have just yeah. called Thor Love and Thunder once people be, were clear that it's Thor 4, but they don't do that. Why? Because they know putting Thor's name in the title helps put asses in the seats. It's like everything else. So not to have it called Captain Marvel, the Marvels, or Captain Marvel to the Marvels, 
it's they can deny all they want. It has to say something because if they really thought she was a big enough sell in her own movie, that her name would be in the title, and it's not. The reason you don't call it Thor Four is because everybody would assume that the Fantastic Four would <laughs> obviously be making their big debut in it. I mean, but, come on. Which is which is funny because of the fact that even though it's Thor: Love and Thunder, everywhere on the uh, on the electronic marquees at at my Regal, all it says outside each theater it's playing at is Thor Four. <laughs> Yeah. God, can, can you believe there's four Thor movies? I think it's more surprising that Thor is the only one of the original core Avengers to have gotten four solo movies. And I know they're going to be doing a Sam Wilson cat movie, but obviously that's not the same. But yeah, it, it's interesting. Who would have who would have bet that Thor would have been the one that would, that would have gotten to four solo movies? Especially if, since he's the I mean, I haven't seen the fourth one yet, but so far he's. He's got the worst batting average. Actually, I don't know if that's really true because you have to go back and you got to remember Iron Man. Iron Man you only know, has has one really good movie, and both and and the other two are usually thrown in the bottom of the MCU, two and three. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like I've I've been reevaluating three lately, and it's got like three's biggest problem is that it literally just has too many good ideas. And it doesn't have the room to do any of them. So it's like, it's like, uh, I got to not give you bad marks for kind of overachieving, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I put I put Thor like right in the middle because of the fact that Captain America has got the best track record, period. And, but there oh, yeah. but, but it's three movies. I like all of them. I know First Avenger. Some people don't like First Avenger. I don't get it. But I like all three of the Captain America solo movies. I put Thor in the middle because I don't, and we'll be talking about this soon on the show. I don't think Love and Thunder is anywhere. It's not as I don't like it as much as I like Ragnarok, but I think both of those movies are still probably better than the original Thor and Dark World. So it's kind of so, and then you get Iron Man where you have a really good first movie, but the other two were just, eh. I mean, there are good things in all of them. I mean, more more good things to be fair in Iron Man too, because yeah, that was the Black Widow introduction. I think that the I think it's safe to say, and totally not controversial at all, that the top two sub franchises in the MCU are Captain America and Ant Man. <laughs> I actually would agree with that. I mean, we haven't seen Woo! the. We haven't seen the third. Ant- we don't know about the third Ant-Man, but based on the track record. But the funny thing is Ant-Man keeps has. Let's see how what kind of box office the third Ant-Man does, because Ant-Man's been a notoriously underachieving box office franchise. But then again, so was Thor until Ragnarok. Would you say that Ant-Man has grown on you? <laughs> Maybe only because but I but I liked Ant-Man all along. I liked the first one and I liked the oh, second yeah. one. I, I liked think Ant-Man before it was cool. Yeah. I don't think, but I don't think, Ant, I think Paul Rudd is cool. I don't think people really think Ant-Man is cool as a character. That's why it'll be interesting to see if you can finally have an Ant-Man movie that, you know, has a well over like, let's say a hundred million dollar opening weekend because it's track record through its first two entries. But then again, Thor wasn't until Ragnarok, Thor didn't crack a hundred million either. So, well, if Ant-Man doesn't, then that just means you aren't going to see it enough. <laughs> I'll probably see it twice. Like I can see almost every MCU movie. So getting back to Miss Marvel a little bit, though, like you've mentioned a few times, and I agree with you, like the strongest thing about this show is the characters, like her friends, her family, her, her, like Kamala herself. 
all great, mostly knocked out of the park. The place I feel they really went wrong is there should never be, and I say this with the caveat of, like, obviously I have not read every Kamala Khan story that's ever been told, so maybe they do go this way at some point. But based on what I've read and everything I've ever heard about this character, there shouldn't be a Kamala Khan Miss Marvel story where the fate of the world is on the line. Like, do you remember the scene in um, Spider-Man Homecoming where Peter is just sort of hanging out, waiting for a call from Tony Stark to give him his next big Avengers mission? And we get, like, this montage of Spider-Man, like, like stopping somebody from stealing a bike and giving an old lady directions and and you know trying to stop somebody from breaking into a car like that's the stuff kamala does period like she is like she is like small town like like oh teenage runaways are are disappearing the the corner bodega keeps getting vandalized like these are the the level of issue that she deals with Sometimes it'll escalate to like like a low level supervillain will will come through Jersey Jersey City, but it's it's all like they lean hard into the super stuff being an analog for for just like the stuff going on in her life and the driving force of the stories is her and her regular life and like once we once we go to like we go on an international exploration and find a secret society of like assassins or whatever that they were they are based on a character from the comic but then we're shown a holographic map diagramming how like the power within her her armband will break down the veil between two dimensions and send them crashing into each other and annihilate the world i'm like what are they doing? Why are they doing this? Like, I, I understand at this point, like the threats in superhero TV and movie stuff has escalated to the point that maybe anything less than this will feel underwhelming or something. But like, like there's, there's no reason to use this character for this kind of story that feels completely detached from everything the character's about, which is, is kind of weird because they went to great pains to tie the character's powers directly to this threat, which brings me to the other big problem. And that is that I never ever warmed up to the change in Kamala's powers. Like in the comics, she is, she is a, they call her a polymorph. She can like, change the shape of her body sometimes that means shape-shifting or shrinking or growing or like making your foot really big because you need to kick something really hard like that kind of stuff and they changed it in here they basically made her a star sapphire they, they gave her like the ability to project crystal constructs and the only reason they seem to have done that at least narratively is so that they could link it directly to this interdimensional nonsense and to link her to captain marvel more i yeah i guess so because it seems like they may be going down the whole negaband connection with her 
Yeah. But, which would make yeah, I do like which if they do that, I'm sorry, if they do that, then it would make sense that if there's a connection between her and Captain Marvel and, and the Cree and things like that. That would that would seemingly be where they're gonna try to go with some of this. Yeah, I did like that. And I wish I kinda wish like by the end of the season the bangle like came off and like we we came to realize like oh it 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 was actually unlocking something that was in you and i mean i guess they kind of gestured towards that but i wanted there to be some sort of tangible difference to her powers as a result of it and i don't think they're going to do that and the thing that really gets me about this is that the weird thing about this show is that it will go out of its way to incorporate exact moments from the comic like like just straight up moments of like oh wow that is that panel come to life kind of thing and like like when kamala sneaks out to go to that party at uh, their rich friend's house that whole exchange at the party was from the comics and like all the dialogue it was like almost word for word it was like it was it was perfect but it's was completely divorced from its original context because everything that that scene was supposed to achieve was then done like two, three scenes later by Avengers Con, which was functionally the exact same scene as the party, only it had the ramifications to her larger narrative, making the party kind of useless to have in there. And that's like something I noticed throughout the show where like they they went out of their way to keep things that are core to the character, but not explore them or incorporate them in the way that was already true. Like, so when Kamala got her powers, like the re- the reason that Kamala looks up to Captain Marvel so much is, you know, first and foremost, she is an Avengers fangirl. That's true in every every reality. But secondly is because Carol Danvers has all of like the physical traits that Kamala wishes she had. You know, she is, she's like every day has to live with like, like the differences between her and all, and all of her friends for like front and center in her mind. And here's Carol Danvers, her hero who aside from being like a cool superhero is also tall and slender and blonde and has light skin and Kamala always wonders like what would my life be like if I could be like that if I could look like that so when she gets her powers the very first thing she does is subconsciously transform herself into an exact copy of Carol Danvers which we see at the in the final episode of this series although this the show does it in a kind of a confusing way that like my brother wasn't sure if she like teleported somehow and switched places with Carol or something. Which I but, think um, is exactly supposedly what happened, by the way. I believe oh, really? that. The, yeah. I think, huh. I think that is what is, I, I think the showrunner said something to the effect that that is that she didn't come. She didn't switch. She switched places. She didn't become physically transform into, but it is confusing one way or the other, because we know that's part of her power. So. Yeah. I don't know if that makes this better or worse, but, but like the point is like in, in her comic origin, she subconsciously turns herself into her idol. And because she doesn't know how her powers work, 
she's stuck like that for a while. She has to live as this other person for like, I, I think it was just like one full night or something, but it was for long enough that she got to realize like, wow, no, this doesn't make me happy. This is like, I, I want to be me. I don't like, I don't like this. I don't want to be some somebody else. And, and it's part of this whole like journey of like, of like self-acceptance and like, like, coming into your own identity that like it it's important that when Kamala uses her powers optimally it looks kind of weird and gross because like she has the opportunity to embrace every superficial notion about what she thinks will make her happy and popular and realize it's a nightmare and embrace the the quote unquote ugliness of her body and get literal power from it. And they kind of throw a lot of that away by taking her powers and reimagining them as something that is literally bright and pretty and full of glitter and sparkles. <laughs> and it seems like, like from a narrative standpoint, it's, it's all for the sake of, of literalizing another side or not even another side but an extension of that that was also already there making her what what would it be like a quarter gin on her mother's side like, <laughs> like the whole th the whole thing of like ah well you see kamala is part of this of is, is related to people from this dimension but also from earth so she's caught in a struggle between two worlds and those two worlds are going to smash together and can they coexist i don't know maybe it'll it'll be chaos like you already had that you had that built in with this character the struggle of two worlds colliding are the fact that she all of her her heritage comes from Pakistan, but she was born and raised in New Jersey. Like, I don't remember if it was from the show or the comic, but like there was an exchange between her and her mom saying like, or the, the, her mom is like, I want you to know, it's important to me and your father that you know where you came from. And Kamala just says, I came from here. And like, that is a such a core element to this character and everything she goes through and does and thinks about. And they kept it in the show, but they, they like put it in this, like this, like sci-fi magic wrapper that just like makes it more obtuse while also being overly literal. When it's like, if you just kept doing what you were doing in like episode one and kept the focus on, like character driven relationship driven storylines that never left New Jersey you could they could have achieved so much more and done so much better by this character and and this world that like this didn't need to have blockbuster elements to it yeah i they may they may have been over perhaps overreach on what they were even though they're clearly trying to establish that that's that she's kind of always going to be that fish out of water on certain elements, or, or as they say at the end, when we get the big reveal that we will talk about soon, the uh, label, just another label. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just another label. So she's, she's used to dealing with labels and being different. And so 
doesn't mean she's happy about it because most people wouldn't be, but it means that she's used to it and it's kind of like her, her cross to bear and to overcome. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm making something out of nothing. You know, there's, there's bound to be people that come to this show before they see the comic and think like, wow, this was really cool. And you know what? I'm happy for all of those people. I, whether they ever read a Kamala Khan comic book or not, as long as they can take like a positive message from this, then it's worth it. I just kind of wish that they could have done a little bit better by it to serve all of the audiences a little more. No, I can, I can certainly understand that. I can uh, understand and sympathize or empathize with that, with that perspective. And especially if you have a background on Kamala Khan, as opposed to just going in cold, like I did, especially which for the MCU perspective is fine because you know the obviously the MCU version is like many other characters we've seen the MCU version is different than than the source material that Mar- I'm know. like I'm almost the worst kind of fan I'm I'm almost I'm slightly removed from being that guy that says oh they're adapting a book into a movie or TV show better go read the book so I can be mad about it All right so I suppose we should mention the uh 8,000 pound gorilla in the room regarding the thing that most people are, for better or for worse, they're going to be taking out of this show. Uh, besides yes. more, even more than the Captain Marvel cameo, which we all knew in some way, shape or form we had to get because it was too self-serving for them not to do it. The reveal that while she probably will not be the actual first mutant there, that it has ever existed in the MCU. She is the first, she is being this, the first character we've seen on screen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe described as having a mutation. <laughs> and with the little X-Men music playing behind behind that to indicate that, yes, that this is our first direct reference to mutants and mutations. I just need, I need everybody, I need to make sure everybody's on the same page here because when I heard that, I, I didn't know, I honestly didn't know how to react. I didn't know if, like, if I should laugh or like slap my forehead or be happy or what like years ago at this point when Marvel didn't have access to the movie rights to the X-Men, there was an effort made by Marvel comics to kind of replace the X-Men with the Inhumans who, because they're a, a more or less similar group. And they launched a bunch of different comic series starring in human characters. They they like put the Inhumans at the center of some cr- big events and crossovers and stuff. And they created Kamala Khan, who was an Inhuman, and gave her her own book. And all of that shit failed. No one cared except for Kamala. Everybody loved her. Literal, literally every single person who loves Kamala Khan also threw an Inhumans comic in the garbage. (laughs) So, but like, as that was crashing and burning, like they were also trying to bring, they were going to, they're going to bring the Inhumans into the MCU. First, there was going to be like an Inhumans movie, but then that kind of fell apart. So it became a TV show, which I think had a full season, but it got canceled for being terrible. And the only character left standing out of the entire failed Inhumans push was Kamala, who to this day is a beloved comic book character. And now that she's finally coming into the MCU, they're like, 
Um, no, she can be she can be a mutant. She can be part of the X Men. <laughs> yeah, they they probably didn't want the Inhuman baggage. Uh, it's so weird because this is right after they did a Black Bolt cameo. <laughs> Yes, and then for a cameo that 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 worked fine, but first of all, you didn't know how that was going to play out. I mean, this you didn't you didn't really know how that was going to work and how people. And plus, that doesn't mean that I mean there there are rumors that Black Bolt's going to be in the Marvels, but the reality is you still don't know. That still doesn't mean that the whole Inhumans, you know, the human the Inhumans are kind of like the Eternals. At the end of the day, nobody really gives a shit. I mean, you, you you can try to you can try to sugarcoat them and rewrite like the new gods to a large extent. You just rewrite them and you do different things. And once in a while, you can catch lightning in a bottle. And there's a storyline people might care about, and some people might recognize a few characters. The Inhumans have recognizable characters between Medusa and Black Bolt and Lockjaw, blah blah. blah. But nobody really cares. You so, know what the Inhumans are? The Inhumans are great guest characters. Yes. They are great guest star. If, like, if you're if you have if you're gonna read a year of Fantastic Four comics, one of those issues is gonna have have the Inhuman royal family in it, and it's gonna be a good time. And hell, like the the biggest loss out of all this is there's like a an extended period of the comics where Lockjaw is just living with Kamala at her house and going on adventures with her, and her dad is constantly like. Like, no, how did he get in? He doesn't, he's bigger than our door. How does he keep getting in the house? Everybody likes Lockjaw. Lockjaw's great. He is, because like you said, I mean, Lockjaw used to do that with like all the all these different characters. He used to go on these. For, for some reason, I want to say that in like uh, Spidey Super Stories, that even Spider-Man went on like an adventure with Lockjaw and that, and that, like, that electric company's kid, kitty Spider-Man book. That they oh, used to yeah. have, and I, I think that's accurate. I because I because I can remember the art style. I think yeah, I think Lockjaw was Spider-Man got into it some time traveling or dimension hopping adventure with Lockjaw even in that. So every yeah every everybody, he's a dog. Every, it, come on, it's, it's like it's like it's like it's like if Clifford had superpowers. <laughs> that's what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> but so I, I can I can understand pushback to them changing changing her origins too but that might explain some of her powers though as we've seen it might explain why not just that maybe the 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 bangle works different for her than it would for other people but it might also explain like that whole embiggening thing maybe that's actually a biological or a genetic like part of her mutation as opposed to do you remember did she was the final fight of the last episode the first time she said in Biggin in this show? I think it's the first time she said it. That makes no, uh, cause like they, they're so like, they're so good about this sometimes and so bad about it other times. Like I think the fact that she spent this entire show wearing a necklace that says her name in Arabic only for it to get damaged in the the big fight against the jinn and like the first letter of her name broke off and it is the Miss Marvel lightning bolt like i thought that was a really cool way to uh to arrive at that symbol like that was really, that was a really cool idea but having her out of nowhere use her her comic book catchphrase 
that makes literally no sense at all in the context of her powers in the show. Like, like the reason she says in Biggin is because her powers like distort her body and make her larger. <laughs> it's like it in the show, like, I guess she gets a little taller or something when she's surrounded by her crystal force field. But like, she's the same. She's not getting bigger. She's, I don't know. Like, why, why did she say that? Well, she did get a little bigger and I don't mean just her arms. I think she just generally got bigger, but yeah, mostly was her arms, her oversized arms and, and fists. I, I don't know that, that you can make a case. That's, that does seem like it's a fan service moment. Um, but I don't know. I, it is interesting. That's one of those things when you're watching like reaction videos, you just want to see the number of people that pick up on it, which of course the people would shut the hell up when they're watching stuff that they're supposed to react to. It would, it would make, it's easier to catch things if you're not talking over things constantly. <laughs> I mean, we, we got two Disney plus shows overlapping each other that ha- that ended with a, uh, Oh, they said the line, they said it, they said the thing. Mm-hmm. Like Obi Wan, we got more hello there. Oh, well, Obi Wan, we got we kind of got two, even though the whole the hello there people, yes, the hello there people were waiting for it. It just it was a a pleasant surprise to get. Uh, I will do what I must. I didn't think we were going to get that line. I'm glad we did, but I didn't think. But that, but that is that was that's another classic Obi Wan line. Though it came, though, like I mentioned in. When I talked to Ryan last when we did that episode, that it really it really was a Qui-Gon line first, because Qui-Gon said that in Phantom Menace about when Obi-Wan's trying to tell him not to defy the council again. It's like, I will do what I must do, Obi-Wan. But, All I can think is multi in Multiverse of Madness, you had Xavier and Black Bolt in the same room together. And maybe that's when they traded. They're like, hey, okay, we'll give you Kamala. But in return, let's say Scarlet Witch, she's an inhuman now. Oh, <laughs> well, it'd have to be Wanda. Remember, there's only one Scarlet Witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't want Scarlet Witch. We want one of the good Wandas. How about that nice lady with like she's like a housewife in suburbia? Let's let's yeah, she seems cool. <laughs> which which is interesting, and I'll say this quickly because I don't think I mentioned it when we talked about Doctor Spy. I don't think I had heard about it yet. But supposedly, back when they were doing the test screening for Doctor Strange, when the, when the movie was tanking, so I'm going to assume it was probably before they did all the massive reshoots, that supposedly there was a subplot regarding the Illuminati, which is where the Magneto cameo came from, that because of Doctor Strange, their Doctor Strange, the 838 Doctor Strange and everything he, and everything he had learned, the Illuminati was well aware of the Scarlet Witch prophecy. So then, so they, in order to make sure that their Wanda couldn't possibly be the Scarlet Witch, they were basically going to do they they were going to do an an Xavier like lobotomizing job to oh. to Wanda. Sim, I I don't think like she was going to be a vegetable, but she was going to have. I think he was going to essentially do the kind of crap that we've already seen him do to Jean Grey, where basically she'd forget all about that she ever had powers or even knew that she had powers at all, like suppress them. But before they did that. They basically were going to have to clear her with Magneto because of the, they had to basically want to make sure Magneto was on board with this because of the potential threat. And that's where the fast bender Magneto version was supposed to be in uh, Multiverse of Madness. But that stuff was cut just because how ironic it made the Illuminati look like bigger dicks than they really were <laughs> as they bigger dicks. than they came out looking to begin with. I mean, not that they that they were bigger, more unlikable than we even got in the actual movie that just made that that did that tested supposedly so poorly that they took away that whole subplot. But that's where the rumors, I guess, all along that 
a version of Magneto was going to be in the movie came from that. That was supposed to, that supposedly was filmed and was tested and they, and they, and they took it out. But I just thought that was interesting. Cause it's like, uh, cause you could see the Illuminati doing crap like that. It's like, Oh, we just got to make sure she's, you know, we got to make sure that she, all we can do is make sure our wand doesn't turn into the Scarlet Witch snip. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of ambivalent to the idea of her being a mutant instead of an inhuman, because honestly, like I, I've never really cared that she was an inhuman, you know, like in a way what she said in the, in the show is true. It's just another label. Like it kind of, it kind of doesn't matter. It's once you get outside of her origin story, it's like, she's just Miss Marvel. She's just Kamala Khan. Like she, is she part of a larger group? I guess so, but I think of her more in more in terms of uh, the champions, the uh, the Teen Titans equivalent than I do about her, like, I guess, species, right? I don't know what the Inhumans are technically, but yeah, I don't think taking the Inhumans thing away from her and making her a mutant will change anything for the worse. And they could probably change it in the comics, too. and it would just, it might make it things better for her. It would just mean she, she can show up in more books than she normally does. That is, that is, that is true. I mean, Chad's probably sitting pretty right now because Firestar is, is in the main X-Men team right <laughs> I know. now. I did see stuff related to that. I think, I think that that is funny. She's come a long way since that cartoon. I uh, think if, if, if the day comes that both Firestar and Kamala Khan are on the X-Men, then Chad and I are going to break off from the Lantern cast and start our new X-Men podcast. You can have them. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> it can only be like a third-round draft pick in return, but you could have, you could, you could have them. Uh, what was I, I going to say? I, I, where, so, generally speaking, where do you put this show and the umpteen number of shows we've gotten so far? You'd have, to give it a, you'd have to give it a raw, a, a absolute number rating. Do you think it's in the top half or the bottom half? Um, or dead well, set had, in the middle? So we've had, we got Falcon Winter Soldier. We've had Hawkeye. We've had Moon Knight. We have had Loki. And is this the fifth one? Well, you got What If. Oh, you're what if? Live, if you're talking live action, <clears throat> then yeah, WandaVision, Loki. Oh, WandaVision, yeah. Yeah, WandaVision too um um probably like i like this is this is like a thousand percent better than falcon and winter soldier i liked it more than what if i don't know i think i think it's like closer to the middle just because like i seriously think they did i think half of it shouldn't have been in this first season agreed but the half the half that should have been in this first season was really really good like we haven't talked about it yet but i think like from a production standpoint, this might be the best looking show. Like, especially like, especially in early episodes where they're just focusing on like the look and the feel of Jersey city. They're, um, they're being incredibly stylish with, with like how they show, how they portray everything. Like every time a character gets a text message, it's incorporated into the, the backgrounds in like a creative way. It's like it's nothing about this show felt generic, you know, and I also want to give I give them extra credit for for exposing 
a, a, what we know to be a very large audience to things that we don't usually see on American television. Like they, they spent like the first 15 minutes of an episode dedicated to a traditional Muslim wedding. And like, I know my brother like kind of like perked up when he saw like, like the the vows and stuff happening like while everybody was sitting on like a really comfortable looking couch and it's like oh yeah i guess he never would have seen a wedding that took that didn't take place like standing at an altar or something like that it's like they showed their aud- like the audience of this show a lot of things that they may not normally be exposed to in pop culture and i think that's worth something and if like if they leaned harder into all of this cool stuff that happened in New Jersey instead of trying to battle the end of the world in a, in another country and all through time and space they could have had something really special and you know they still they still could because this this character's not going away i i would be very interested to see do we get another season of of Miss Marvel after the Marvels is do- over and done with, or where are they going to have her show up next? But yeah, I think I think it is it is a kind of solid middle show, and I mean that in a more positive way than it probably sounds. No, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. I think I'd put it I think I'd put it right in the middle too. Uh, maybe see there aren't too many of these shows that I love, so that's why it may actually be more closer to the top three than any than anywhere else. So it's but and I, and I also agree that it's a beautiful it's a beautiful looking show. I think I I think when it comes to that, at least this and Moon Knight have been really really good with at that. That they both were com- I mean completely different looks, obviously, but it's very visually set not just the set design but just the, just everything about the you know the about the production value on this on these two last two shows have been really high so i think that's a that is a big that is a big plus uh yeah it's it is absolutely hard to know because again and and luckily for you you're gonna miss my i thought there was a chance you could get my phase four rant but i think it's gonna happen when chad and i talk for uh, there'll be more of a natural segue for it. Uh, but so let me so let me preface it this way. So what what are your what are your general as we're, we're pretty much dead set in the middle of phase four right now? What do you really think of phase four? Because I'm because I, and this is, and I'll give you a preview of what my rant will be on because I've seen a lot of people try to make the ridiculous assertion that phase four is just like phase one when it's not at all. But 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 they try to make the case that, oh, there's really no difference between phase four and phase one. And people are just, oh, they're looking for instant gratification and and it's all set up just like phase one was. But they're missing a lot of key reasons why it's not the same. But I I could see I like without having seen any of those arguments myself, I could see how the thought process, because like on a very basic level, phase one was a bunch of of mostly unconnected movies that came together later and then went in a direction that became a universe and now we're we're getting like a a bunch of random unconnected movies that just haven't come together yet so maybe that's where they're going and again i'm trying not to sucker myself into the rant i'm desperately i I really want to make but the big difference is phase one knew exactly what 
we knew everything before we even knew it was a phase. We knew everything about the what what the goal was at the end of the first MCU movie. It was putting the Avengers together. <laughs> they had a goal right off the bat, and and everything in phase one was about that goal. Yeah, it was all about so. And that's all I'm not, I'm not going to sucker myself in because I want to be I really want to be passionate when I talk about it. And we're having a nice, rational discussion. So I figure I've, I'm sure we're talking to Chad, it'll be easier for me to go off. <laughs> but but I've seen but the, but the reason why it's been eating at me, because I see that it's almost like it's a talking point. I see I keep seeing it everywhere in all these different places. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. And it's like it's almost like it's yeah, it's like it's either like. To being fed talking points that people just don't remember the difference. There's commonality, but if you're going to pick one of the any of the phases to compare phase four to, phase one is not the one to do it because phase one I think is the most laser focused, the most clear cut. It was all about one thing. Yes, there were things being laid out for the future, but even all the post credit scenes were all about phase one. It might also be just be because of how like phase three was the end of the giant overarching narrative that has been the entire MCU at that point. So therefore people are looking at phase four as the new, uh, like not the new beginning, but kind of the new beginning in the way the phase one was. Oh yeah. I, that part I get, I absolutely, I'm not saying there's, I'm not saying that there wouldn't be a new beginning and you have to go back, but when, but it's kind of what bothers me is that it seems like once again, it's another way to say, Hey, if you feel, or if I feel or a huge percentage, which seems to be the vibe out there that feels that phase four isn't really congealing. It's kind of rudderless. We don't even know really where it's going other than speculation at this point that if you feel that way, Oh, the problem is you because you're interpreting things wrong or you're forgetting what happened in the past. And, I think there's some fundamental problems with that analogy when it comes to looking at, especially phase one, but that's part of where I want to go off, but I want to, I just want to talk about phase four, but what do you, but just without me going off on anything else, you know, I, I do agree. Like I have been wanting to know specifically what is up with the Avengers now, like ever since Endgame oh. ended, like ever since, ever since somebody asked Spider-Man in that second Spider-Man movie, like, so are you what's are you an avenger now or like are you the leader like what's going on and he's like um i gotta go by <laughs> honestly that's one of the more that is one of the more annoying things that's been going on in phase four because it's like they're being it's like the mcu being a, it's like the mcu prick tease they know everybody wants to know what's the deal with the avengers because you have all these things happening throughout the mcu including the eternals some ex, an extinction level event and no Avenger ever shows up anywhere. Nobody ever contacts the Avengers for help. And that's what they know people want, but they're not giving us any of that. So sorry. But yeah. I, that, but that's on my that that was one of the, that's one of the things I wanna that's one of my press my uh, triggers here for phase four. I actually th- I actually thought there was more I think I keep forgetting that that uh Spider-Man Far From Home was part of phase three, because I keep thinking it started there. But yeah, so I'm epilogue. looking at the list now. I'm looking at the list now. I'm like, like, okay, well, Black Widow, that was okay. Shang-Chi, I like that. Eternals, that was was pretty bad. Spider-Man No Way Home, that was great. Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, it wasn't as good as Spider-Man, but it was still, it was like mostly up, up there. Like, like when I look, like my my frustration with Phase Four is balanced by the fact that I'm still having fun with the phase four movies for the most part. Like 
like and i think the same thing goes for the for the tv shows like we talked before about like oh man moon knight didn't have any tie-ins to the larger mcu or tell us anything about what was going on but i couldn't really make myself care about that because moon knight was fucking awesome and i loved it (laughs) so like i think i'm in this like kind of nebulous space of like i really do want to know where this is ultimately going but at the same time as long as what they give me is entertaining and well made I'm not going to mind the lack of answers so much because, you know, all the answers in the world aren't going to really do anything for me if the movie they're in isn't isn't good all by itself. Like, look at a movie like Age of Ultron. That is probably the most connected piece of the MCU that has ever been made to date and I would say that it's also one of the worst movies they've ever made and like the 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 fact that it it ties forwards and backwards to so much of this universe doesn't really make a difference for me it's like oh that's still a that's still a really bad movie. If anything, it makes it worse because that mo- really bad movie is so important that you have to keep watching it and you can't like ignore it. But I want to know what the overall thrust of the MCU is because it is direct. It does seem directionless right now. And who knows, maybe once we see where they're going, we'll be able to look back and say, ah, actually the hints were there all along, even though it's probably probably not but uh and hints and and hints are not telling you directly what's happening yeah and it's also I mean, no it's, you go ahead you go ahead. the to me the issue is this if you compare phase four to the other three phases so far not every not every phases movies were super super connected like phase ones were so that's why i think if someone wants to make a phase four defense you're better off comparing it to phases two and three than phase one because phase one is so clearly unified that it's not it's not even funny but even if all of that wasn't completely thought out the minute you know before iron man came out it doesn't matter the fact is they had a plan and they stuck to it and and all roads led to the avengers that the difference with phase four is all the other phases had an ending yeah you had epilogues too like ant-man technically was an epilogue to ultron after ultron but the point is you had a big climactic event movie that ended each phase as far as we know, we're not getting that in phase four. If we don't get that in phase four and phase four, just basically just you just kind of gently turn the page into phase five. Then not only does the analogy to make it sound like these phases are all alike or this is just like the other three phases fall apart. It's pretty anticlimactic because that really means phase four really had no. It was like the Seinfeld of the the MCU because it's literally about nothing because it is, there's no common there's there's no connective tissue it's like oh every all secret wars well it may be secret wars but they haven't told you it's secret wars mostly it's it's just speculation based on because we're using the multiverse and if the secret wars doesn't happen in phase six does that really mean phase four was about the secret wars well what if phase four ends what if because like, i'm looking at the list right now and at least according to wikipedia the Final three movies of Phase Four are Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, The Marvels, and Fantastic Four. Blade, Blade, Blade should be before Fantastic Four. Okay, well, but that, assuming way, again, assuming everything on the sizzle reel they showed us was actually correct, that that's going to end Phase Four, and that every reason to believe Fantastic Four will end Phase Four, which makes sense. Yeah, but like, um, so either way, 
it could like they're ending on like a bunch of cosmic movies and they're ending on the introduction of one of their like most like kind of like tantalizing new properties that they've got they've acquired what if the the ultimate structure of phase four is is you know we'll give you a couple movies to tie up loose ends like here's black widow here's a new status quo for spider-man here we're here we're following up on thor and getting him into a new place after what he went through with thanos and the rest of the phase is okay let's introduce a bunch of new main characters for the mcu your shang chi is your your uh you're a, 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 I can't think of people's names, Eternals, like whoever the hell else had movies. And Fantastic Four comes around and cements the big threat to the big new MCU threat that all of our newly established and amped up heroes are going to have to face in, I guess, phase five or something. Like basically taking the phase one model of a set of movies that introduce everybody separately and then bring them together in a movie that ends the phase and instead use an entire phase to establish your universe of characters and then have their big call to action be what comes next. Like, I don't know. Like, that's, I'm not saying that right, but you know what I mean? No, I, I do. I do know what you mean. And don't get me wrong, I think just like the Obi-Wan show kind of proved, if you have a good ending, you can kind of overcome a lot of questionable stuff that gets you there. So I think that will help. I think that would help the people who are unhappy with the MCU at the moment or with phase four, it would make people happier. But it still does not necessarily mean there it still doesn't really mean there was I mean if it really did connect these the characters, but it's kind of hard to say what the hell does Black Widow ultimately have with whatever the hell they're building towards, whether it's secret wars, whether we fantastic four ends and we get, and we know Galactus is coming, which doesn't necessarily mean Galactus is going to be the big bad for whatever, whatever. I think part of the problem is we don't know anything. We don't know if this is going to be a three phase arc. We don't know what, so we, uh, there's so little that they've done. I mean, technically we, I mean, I hope Comic-Con at least gives us this, that we don't even know what ends phase four technically. We assume it's Fantastic Four because of the sizzle reel last year showing you Blade and the Fantastic Four logo. But they've never announced what the end of phase four is. They've never announced what the first movie of phase five is. So it's hard. To, it's really hard to project ahead because you don't know. Any, you literally don't know anything. I mean, and, when I look at it, it it's kind of interesting because like when you take all of phase four into account, the movies and the TV shows, it seems like there like there is an overall effort of let's elevate the existing characters we still have while also let's let's really try to bring in as many new characters as we can so like it could all be stage setting in that way where maybe they don't want to go ahead with an overarching plot or whatever because they want to establish who this universe is focusing on now before they move forward. I can see that. I think I I think it is some of my frustration is exactly what you mentioned with the Avengers thing because to me that's just getting real old. That they have literally I mean they know oh the Avengers the musical. It's like who do you think is going to lead the Avengers now that uh, Iron Man and Captain Rogers are gone and the Eternals trailer. 
They get because they know that's what people care about, but they're not answering any of those questions at all. And, and that gets real old if we go through a whole friggin' phase of th- like three plus years by the time it finishes up. And we have and we still we don't know anything about what the Avengers are, who they are, what their role is in the post Thanos world. Are the Accords still in effect? Have they been modified because of, of the whole Thanos factor, realizing that, hey, if they had some autonomy, they might have been able to pick up on some of this stuff before, you know, that, that you know what hit the fan. I, we don't know. We don't know who's in the team. We don't know anything. And, and Thor, I mean, honestly, Thor is kind of like the same way because it's the fact that, oh, this is the first time we're supposed to assume that he's back on Earth since Endgame. He's got a problem. Does, he doesn't reach out to the Avengers to see if anybody can help him as he's putting his team together or vice versa when, because people would have known something happened. You know, it's like that doesn't make any goddamn sense. I know we, you have to we've we've talked about this and people have talked about this before and you have to suspend some disbelief because you'd never have solo movies if you always could pick up the phone and bring in bring in an assist. But the reality is talk about a slam dunk is like, oh, he's only a charter member of the Avengers and he needs help. And it's like you, and he's back on Earth for the first time since Endgame. It's like you think that would be a pretty logical. Hey, at least find out to see if anybody's available to help. It. And but you have all of that. I mean, every name dropping the Avengers all throughout, you know, all throughout this phase for the most part. And we know nothing about them. And it doesn't seem like there's any big event movie coming anytime soon. And if what Feige said about there's not being whether again, I don't really think he meant it that way. But if he literally meant there's not going to be any big crossover event the same way as the Avengers were again. It's going to be, it would be different. I don't know. I just think, I just think they're really dragging this out. And I think, I don't, I don't think that's help. I don't think that's helping the cause any. And I think if we kind of knew a little bit more about where this was going, I think it would make people happier because you shouldn't have, I mean, we really shouldn't be this far deep, this deep into phase four without even knowing technically officially the last project in it. And we really don't. We assume, again, it's Fantastic Four, but we don't know that because it never confirmed this is the end of phase four. And this is the first one. Good. I think they're also they're in a place now where they don't have to be as concerned. Like Marvel is so big with all of culture on Earth at this point that even if it takes them a little longer to find their footing or maybe they know exactly what they're doing, but they're just taking their sweet time getting there. They, I, they really don't have to worry too much about whether or not people are going to show up to see it. Like, I think there's entirely, evidence. I think there's but, evidence that, that that's not necessarily true. I think I think there's an I think there's enough circumstantial evidence to say that there's some there's a at least potentially a weakening of the brand. Well, I mean that's sure, but like. We've been saying that ever since Endgame. Like the fact that they released a movie that was the culmination of every plot line in every movie they've ever made and put the words the end in the title of the movie, like there had to have been a fear that, like, oh, people are just going to assume the MCU's over and they they'll stop showing up. Then they put out another spider-man movie and everybody showed up and then like i well i think a lot of people like a black the beginning of phase four i think would have gone a lot differently if it didn't happen during the pandemic but uh like everything i've heard people say about like things like shang chi and 
Multiverse of Madness and Spider-Man No Way Home is like, that was really cool. I don't, I don't know what the MCU is doing, but that was a lot of fun. And like, I think that might be enough for a while. I don't, I think, I think they've been coasting on that. And you're always, there are certain characters that are popular and you know, Sp- Spider-Man was, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And it's in a, and that was as big as it was because it was an event movie and people perceived it that way, which mind you, the major reason it was an event movie had nothing to do really with the MCU. It had to do with, it mostly had to do with the fact that they were bringing in all the other Spider-Man and the villains, <laughs> but yeah. still you're no matter what you, they're going to have success because there's some things people are interested in, but I get, I was always concerned about the way they began. So this is a Monday morning quarterbacking. I always thought they had a really questionable strategy of how they were beginning phase four with the black, because you have to remember how the, how phase four was supposed to roll out. It was supposed to be black widow, the eternals, then Shang Chi. And the, and the, and those, the latter two just got swapped because of COVID delays and other things. But those were three questionable projects. You knew black widow would do fine because it wasn't going to bomb. You just didn't know how big it would be. But the other two were seriously questionable. And Shang-Chi was fine. Shang-Chi is arguably the best. It's certainly the best introduction of anybody we've gotten in phase four. It's the best. Over, I mean, I think Shang-Chi is really, really good. Yeah. But the Eternals didn't work. And that was always questionable because of who that that's that's an example potentially of believing your own. You know what doesn't stink and we can turn any we can polish up any turd and make it work. Which is the the problem. The Eternals was them saying, you know what? We're going to win an Oscar. (laughs) And then, no. Yeah. So I I think I think they we're seeing pushback to things and something. I mean, Doctor Strange and Thor should have been movies that people were really, really happy with overall, because those are two two of the most popular characters you're going to be revisiting in this phase. And Doctor Strange financially, it was fine. I think a lot of people were disappointed in Doctor Strange, but that's because of the way it was being hyped up as an event movie when it really wasn't, as it turned out, not as much as we thought. And Thor, I think there was some, some people had reservations about Love and Thunder, especially, excuse me, if you weren't big on, if you didn't necessarily love the direction Ragnarok was going in, doubling down on that direction, I think made people nervous. And then there's the Jane, which I thought this, they handled that storyline fine. But the Jane thing, I think, made some people nervous. But those these are the movies that should be, you know, that should be slam slam dunks. And it's I don't know. I just I it's I mean, you, you assume Guardians will be will, will do fine. Well, that's the thing. Of, like they're they, they front loaded the phase with most of the movies that are experimental and they're ending it with the ones that everybody I like. I think I think that no matter what happens, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is going to do well, both because everybody pretty much universally loved the first Black Panther, and also everybody wants to see what the hell they're going to do yes. that, without Chadwick Boseman. So like, yes, no, no matter what, that sequel is going to do good. Yes, it's the Heath, Le- it's the Heath Ledger, Paul Walker <clears throat> factor, to add, adding to the interest in the first movie. Yes, it's like, what are they going to do? Yeah, and like Guardians of the Galaxy have always been like dar like critical darlings, and like the fans love them. I they've they've kind of their charm has worn off for me, but like I I I think I'm probably an outlier outlier in that. I think the Marvels 
is interesting just for the premise of, hey, let's get all of these characters together. And Fantastic Four is something that people have been clamoring for. So, like, I think the phase, I think no matter what, the phase is going to end pretty strongly. It's with, just with Blade, with Blade being the only one that could be a bump. I think it'll do fine for what it is. Yeah. But but that's 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 the questionable one. Even though I guess you you feel more confident because you already know one version of Blade was successful in the past. Yeah. So why wouldn't another one be? Plus, there's people like our like my age and like maybe a little younger, a little older who have nostalgia for the Wesley Snipes Blade who. Like the the fact that there's another Blade movie coming out and it's gonna be in the MCU, like that's gonna put some butts in seats. Like people are gonna be curious. I agree. Yeah, but like I think I I I don't think Phase Four is going to be in any real trouble. I think the further into it we get, the more movies there are that people w- really want to see. The only question is how much of the bigger picture is are we going to get into before the phase is out? And I think I think like the Marvels and Fantastic Four would be a good place to to gesture towards that stuff. Maybe Black Panther if they have to, you know, if they have to deal with like with a the absence or or a replacement of a world leader now, that would be an interesting place to do some world building. But but I don't know. I kind of I I think back to our our Moon Knight conversation where I was just really happy with them just making a really good TV show that was that looked great and was well written and had excellent acting and was fun. So as long as I can say that about most of these movies I can I I can wait longer than you can for the bigger picture. <laughs> I mostly agree with what you're saying. It's just that I again it bothers me more when again like I said when you when I've been reading all the stuff basically saying oh if you th- if you have a problem with phase four then you weren't paying attention to the other like it's like it's your fault it's our fault if you if we see things or we're oh, no. not no. and that's what and that's that's the crap that that's the that's the crap that bothers me because it's because they're because. First of all, nothing's above criticism or critiquing. And second of all, again, if you have eyes, you can see that there are differences, certainly between phase one and phase four. That and and is in that's I mean, I agree with you. I'm not I'm not anti-phase four. There are things in phase four that I like. Is it my favorite phase? No, it probably is my least favorite phase. <laughs> Mostly because again, it doesn't look it doesn't seem like there's any real co we don't know what is building towards, and we don't think it, and we don't necessarily think we're getting anything that's going to be a big ending before we turn the page and ask and we're used to that so it's it's a change but i i agree as long as most of the stuff is entertaining i do agree but i i just don't like when people get it's like when people legitimately pick up on stuff that hey we don't think this is working and, and there's a sizable portion of the fan base that says we don't necessarily think this is working or we're confused and then you're told oh you're the problem that's the problem yeah, i mean pe- yeah. people have been making that that accusation forever like oh you didn't like that book well you just read it wrong like no i just didn't like the book yeah. leave me leave me or, alone or, or the grant morrison criticism oh it, it, it's like the material's above you that's why you don't get it <laughs> that's that's like that's like all the idiots that say like oh rick and morty is only for intelligent viewers if yeah. you didn't like it you do, you're just not smart enough like yeah it's just that's yes that that gets that gets <laughs> 
that gets insulting. People have different opinions. People are entitled to different opinions. But just mind you, if you like phase four, if it, for people out there, if phase four is your favorite, if you're listening, that's great. I'm not criticizing you. Well, you have every right to have that opinion. It's just that it's just like I said, when you get the people that are trying to make it sound like, oh, you can't, it's untouchable, basically. It's like, oh, and it, it's a, it's like, oh, there's nothing wrong with phase four at all. It's just it's you. If you if you're a little problem, if you think there's something in it that's not working for you, it's like, well, I mean, there's probably somebody yeah. listening to this right now that disagrees with everything I've said about Miss Marvel and who's sitting there th- like thinking like, man, all that New Jersey shit was terrible. But all of the all of the like the international t- stuff where they went through time and shattered dimensions, that was the real good. stuff. <laughs> and and you know what? That person is right, because there is no such thing as a universally correct opinion like yeah, you got you got your enjoyment out of that part. I got my enjoyment out of the other part, and we're both correct. Yes, that might be a good good moment to leave on, Dan. <laughs> We've unified the fan base again. We did it. We solved everything. That's right. Fu Phase Five. We did it. We did it. Yeah. Next week we'll fix the DC <laughs> Extended Entertainment Universe. Oh, I forget God. what the E in DCEU stands for. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I guess maybe because they just didn't want to say DCCU, I guess. I, I don't I don't DC quite a- DCU was taken already. <laughs> uh anyway, if you want to hear much shorter things than this that also have me in them, go to youtube.com slash C slash mosaic comics. It's where I do like video essays and reviews of mostly Green Lantern. I've started branching out a little bit. Uh so it's it's basically it's my love letter to my favorite thing, which is comics, usually Green Lantern. And I just I just I love this stuff so much. I can't shut up about it. I left this podcast so many years ago and I still show up sometime to talk about comics with you guys like like this is a hobby, both comics and podcasting and YouTube. Like it's all stuff that you keep doing because like it just gets inside of you and won't leave and uh, like a parasite dan like a parasite like (laughs) like like the venom symbiote which chad is currently wrestling with he couldn't be here (laughs) it's just it's i just love talking about my favorite thing and i hope you enjoy hearing me talk about my favorite thing and I encourage you to come over and go to the comments of my videos to talk about my favorite thing with me. It there's there's new stuff coming out constantly. I work really hard on it and it's always worth it when when I see people chime in with their experiences and their opinions. So go to YouTube, go to Mosaic Comics and let's just love comics together, okay? Yeah, man. Oh, speaking of, did you did you see? Even though this is not really maybe a lovey-dovey moment, but did you see the pictures of that uh, McFarlane parallax figure? I did. I I saw I saw either you or Chad and Myron from the Blog of Oa and me and Donnie from the Emerald Echo, our Emerald enthusiast, and and we're all like, "What the hell? When did this happen?" That's been a rumor for a while. I don't. I. I don't think the pictures had leaked until until like last week. But, but people have been talking about that for a while. I guess maybe it was on some list of uh, like they have those Funko lists of things that are supposedly coming out. I think there was a list of 
of para in parallax had been included. Like it, it was a hand holding a packaged figure. Like was this in off a store shelf somewhere, or like is that? I'm not entirely sure where it was. Obviously, I, I mean, obviously, it's not available for pre-order yet because I've been I've been looking to see on like Big Bad and Entertainment Earth to see if you could pre-order it. But well, yeah, like, if nothing else, we can say it's a parallax figure. <laughs> yeah, it ain't the best I, one. Like I thought that was like, oh, Donnie found this in a store and took a picture. Like I I don't even know, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you got some construct accessories. Yeah, and it comes with a power battery and. And and obviously there'll be room to customizing. I mean, it doesn't look, like great great temples would be number one. Uh, you can, but, and the the sharp fangs will be number two, right? Oh, never, <laughs> never. But it's it's kind of sad actually, as as the uh, the McFarlane. I was telling Chad before. I don't know if he got. I forget where he pre-ordered his from, but I got the I got the email notification from Big Bad that the Kyle and the Deathstorm figures are should be arriving soon. Nice. So, but I was thinking. Because the Kyle sculpt isn't isn't that great either. It's like you would think for like McFarlane that you would expect better sculpts on these <laughs> things, and that para, that parallax figure really is not good. I'll get it because it's parallax. But if you look at the, we've only I got I think we've only gotten three real parallax action figures. We've gotten the Total Justice one, we've gotten the DC Direct one that came out after Green Lantern Rebirth, and we've gotten this one. And by far, this is the worst sculpt of all three. <laughs> Did you see the Necron figure? Yeah, Necron's okay, but I still think the I think the DC I think the DC Direct Necron was better. It's but mm. Deathstorm is good. I mean, both Deathstorms were good. The DC Direct Deathstorm was good too, even though I think that one again was listed as Black Lantern. That might have still been Black Lantern Firestorm how they listed it yeah. at the time. It wasn't until like brightest day they became they Death they Storm. did the cross and changed the name. Yeah, you know but, it's hard to do a bad Deathstorm. I agree with you, but obviously you would think you would think it would be kind of hard to do a bad parallax too, based on how cool a costume that is. But yet, those, <laughs> those muted colors just ruin it. That muted green, that almost like khaki green. It's like I don't, I don't, and even the whole chest plate thing doesn't quite look right. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's not very good. I will get it because it's parallax, and I want to support the character. But that being said. Uh, if you like to, if you like to contact us about any of the ramble, the rambling that's been ongoing on for the, for the past hour and a, hour and a half, give or take, lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us. Great, on- great, great segue, Mark. Speaking of disappointment, yeah. contact <laughs> us. <laughs> Speak, speaking of hor- of horrible things that will that really ru- will ruin your life or ruin your, if we haven't ruined your childhood, that. You haven't been listening long enough. Uh, you, you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag Geocast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all the platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or text, 708 Lantern, 708 Lantern. And yes, if you're still looking for a Discord link, uh, shoot us an email at lanterncast at gmail.com. Yeah, and Chad and Mark are even on there occasionally. I'm sure Chad, I haven't been on in ages, so I'm sure Chad is more, is probably more accurate or more prompt than I am on that. So we'll have to figure out what, what we're going to do next because this recording has been long overdue to get for you and I to do something again. So I'm yeah. glad, I'm glad Ms. Marvel was it. It kind of would have been cool if, it was, if all three of us could have done Thor. But yeah, but. I'm sure there'll be some Green Lantern stuff we can talk about soon. Maybe we'll, yeah. maybe we'll, maybe when we do the next two parts of 
uh, Dark Crisis in the in the in the one shot comes out. Maybe yeah, maybe. That, maybe that. And if nothing good. if nothing else, I'll see you back here when She Hulk is over. That is one I am I am worried because that She Hulk. I don't know if I've said this on on the show before. She Hulk, specifically Jennifer Walters, because there's like three or four She Hulks, is probably my favorite Marvel character. And that trailer is terrible. Yeah. So I am concerned. Yes, we can absolutely set a date now to do the to do the recap on She-Hulk. I, I agree with you. And again, it means nothing. But I know I've heard things through the grapevine that, pe- that people who, were, I guess, are associated with the show said, yeah, the show's got a lot of problems. Doesn't mean they have doesn't mean they wouldn't have fixed them. Uh, yeah, uh, potentially. But and it doesn't mean that it's the truth either. That's it's, again, it's an opinion. It could be an opinion that most people don't have. But yeah. I'm not actually super enthused about most of the shows they have rolling out. I don't, I'm not really secret invasion doesn't considering it's supposed to take place. I think between, you know, the snap and the blip and all that, it kind of lessens the importance of all those things when it takes place in the past, even though obviously it can still have ramifications now based on how it gets resolved. But, but that's a story for another day. So yeah, we'll see. That's right. Good night, everybody. Good night.